This is Right from the Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? (laughs) As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you. Bringing interviews, inspiration, and information to encourage, refresh, and equip you to embrace the deep, to find your truest story, your truest message in the deep places. You can get the episode show notes, lots more information and encouragement, and your free audio download, Five Crucial Ways to Safeguard Your Writer's Heart, at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, in case you're wondering, here's what's happening in Right from the Deep Land. First of all, of course, we want to thank our patrons on Patreon. You guys, you mean so much to us, and we prayed for each one of you today um, before we started doing any work, because we so appreciate everything that you do for us, and so we're just asking God to touch you and to bless you and to continue to guide you in your writing. So thank you, patrons. Right. And thank you very much to our May sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. And that's M-A-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. Not only is Wendy a writer, though, you guys, she produces um, short weekly inspirational podcast called Walking with Hope. And that's for HopeStreamRadio.com. HopeStreamRadio.com. So you guys can check that out. And thank you again, Wendy. We appreciate you. And now, here's Here's the the show. Welcome, writers. Welcome to the Deep. We are so glad you are here with us. And I'm delighted because we have a guest with us today. Yay! So happy. So happy to welcome Karen Stiller. She's a writer with more than 20 years of experience, and she serves as senior editor of the Canadian magazine Faith Today, which I understand, Karen, is kind of compared to Christianity Today in the U.S. And she hosts the podcast of the Evangelical Fellowship of Canada. Very cool. As a journalist, Karen has shared stories from South Sudan, Uganda, Senegal, Cambodia, and all across North America. That is impressive. She also moderates the Religion and Society series at the University of Toronto, and I love this, is a debate between leading atheists and theologians. And I bet you don't even have to wear a flak jacket. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I probably should. Yeah, I probably, probably should. <laughs> Karen loves to teach writing and coach and mentor writers on the journey. She and her husband, Brent, a priest with the Anglican Church live in Ottawa, Canada, and they have three adult children and a big, hairy, golden doodle, <laughs> beloved dog named Dewey. So welcome, welcome, Karen, to Right from the Deep. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you, too. I'm really excited about this. Oh, good. We are, too. We love having guests, and I love having a person from Canada. I just want to hear you say about. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, she's done that. I will. Hmm, I'll try to work about in many times. No, no, I want yes. it to be a boot. <laughs> <laughs> she, she already did it. We we always chat before the podcast. She said a boot several times. I'm like, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> did I really? Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is a revelation. Okay, good. I'm going to be listening. Yeah, dog. All right. All right, Karen, you know that we love to ask, what does the deep mean to you? Yeah, uh, thank you. That is such a good question. And for me, the deep as a writer and as a writer of faith absolutely means the most honest place we can reach where we no longer pretend to be something we're not. And we view ourselves very clearly, but also very compassionately for who we really are. And we embrace that beautiful freedom and the fact that that person 
ourselves in our deepest, most honest place that we're deeply loved there by Jesus. Mm-hmm. That to me is what the deep means. That's wow. great. That, yeah. That's very articulate and well thought out. And I'm I'm really curious, how did you come to that? Because I think when we start heading for the deep and seeing ourselves for who we really are, compassion is the last thing right. that we come up with, you know? Yeah. So I love that. How, how did that happen in your mind? That is a, another great question. Um, I've had to learn to be compassionate with myself. And it links right away into um, my identity as a writer, but also as someone married to a minister, because of the position of minister's wife and how it's played out in my life, I was uh, brought up very, um, like I I had my shortcomings (laughs) and my failings really clearly demonstrated to me right from the Mm -hmm. beginning. I saw how kind of like ill-suited I was and just by being a normal person with the normal limitations. And I had to learn to just forgive myself and be who I really was. And Mm -hmm. so I've learned to be compassionate with myself as I've learned to be compassionate with others, hopefully, to just accept who I am and that I'm on the journey and that God loves me and that can just be so freeing. Well, it's hard in a pastoral family, um, being a preacher's kid and a preacher's grandkid myself, which I love. I love that that's my my family heritage. Um, but it's hard because there are so many pressures on you that the people in the congregation don't realize. And they have so many expectations of who you are and of how you will behave and the things that you will do and say. And if you break those expectations, um, it can be a nightmare. In my case, uh, fortunately, we were in a church that that showed a lot of grace, but I've seen a lot of preacher's kids and missionary kids who their parents were judged based on what their kids did and said. And, you know, I saw with my mom, my mom was the sweetest person in creation, but she still had to really work hard at being herself in the context of being a minister's wife. So it's a, it's a tough road to yeah. hoe. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it is. And it, it definitely, uh, I've heard really sad stories too. Yeah. And particularly from the grown adult children of yes. pastors' families. So that's something we really tried to be aware of with our own children, just uh, raising them to be who they really are too. And I, and I will say we've been in churches that have been very kind. Mm-hmm. We haven't, I don't have horror stories actually at all. I don't uh, either from the church. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. So I, and I deeply love the church and the church has been a wonderful home for uh, for myself, for my husband, for our children. I think for me, uh, the whole minister's wife identity has when people assume things about me, sometimes it's more about what kind of a person I must be, that I must be an excellent listener and, you know, (laughs) always thinking nice thoughts and always available. And inside, I know what I'm really thinking and feeling sometimes. And I may be thinking, um, I need to just get home or I'm just grocery shopping or whatever. And that's been the gap for me where I've had to be compassionate with myself and think it's okay. It's okay. You're not perfect. It's okay. Yeah. You're not as nice as everyone thinks you are. (laughs) It's okay. It's okay. 
Yeah. What What do you think, as far as like a writer goes, I'm feeling like there's probably a lot of areas where writers need to learn to be compassionate for themselves. What do you, What are your thoughts about that? What ways do you think a writer needs to learn to forgive themselves or be or have compassion? Oh, that is uh, that is a really great question. I think I'd like to tackle that in two ways. One would be on the writing journey. Um, I have seen, and I bet you two have seen, a lot of writers give up too soon Mm -hmm. because they maybe don't succeed right away or they find, uh, you know, being edited is too painful for them or their writing dream does not come true as quickly as they would like it to. And I have, yeah, I've seen really gifted people um, stop too soon Mm. because their standards, standards for themselves were too high or something and they just weren't. And I think that it's an act of compassion to uh, forgive yourself for not succeeding <laughs> super quickly. So there's that. And also in um, I in my writing life, I've moved, shifted in the last few years from, you know, 20 plus years of writing professionally about other people mostly, like journalistic writing, right. almost always stemmed in the church, though. I've, I'm, I've always worked within the world of the church press, and that's been very important to me. So, I've told stories of people of faith and, you know, issues mm-hmm. facing the church and so on. But I've shifted into spiritual memoir and writing very honestly about my own experiences of faith and life in the church. And to do that well and with transparency and vulnerability, I have to be compassionate with myself or I wouldn't be willing to tell such horrible stories about myself. (laughs) True. (laughs) I have to believe that you will hear those stories and read those stories and understand that we are in this together and that, you know, I'm, I'm I'm assuming a compassion on the part of the reader, uh, which I do think is there and true and so, yeah, we have to be gentle with each other as readers and as writers. Hmm. I think it's the shift from the the Disney version of being a writer into the real world version of being a writer. In the Disney version, all we do is we write and we send it out to one agent who takes it on and loves it and who sells it for millions of dollars. And then we live happily ever after in the <laughs> real world version. It's a lot of hard work and it's a lot of rejection coming into this field and writing, and especially, I know what it feels like in writing fiction to face rejection, but in writing a spiritual memoir, that's you on the page. And and it is in fiction as well, but I mean, with memoir, you're actually there and telling stories about yourself. And so facing rejection with that would be even more difficult, I would think. So we have to learn, just like you said, rejection is a part of the process, and we have to trust God that he's given us this task and walk forward, no matter what the reaction is to what we've done. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember early on in my writing journey, I, I've also written um, quite a bit for different charities along the way and, you know, copywriting and right. lots of things that my name, you know, has not appeared on. But there was one um, large charity that had me doing some work and it was very much a editing by committee scenario. And I was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was it was a horror movie. movie. <laughs> It was. And I, uh, and it was back in the days of landline phones. And I had on a sticky note, I wrote, don't cry. And I stuck (laughs) it on my phone so that when I was doing this call, like as a, and I looked at that note a couple of times, it's like, 
Karen, pull yourself together. And I, I didn't cry and I learned not to cry and otherwise I would never have survived. Yeah. Oh my. What would you say, you know, we're talking about humility and transparency and, and being vulnerable on the page, especially in memoir, but in everything we write, what what would you say to the writer who's having trouble being compassionate to themselves and having trouble really doing that? Yeah, I I think right away about the writing friends I have in my life. And uh, I mean, you two model that so wonderfully, even in how you do the podcast, how you mm. support each other, how you, you know, kind of play off and bounce off each other. We need writing companions in mm. our in our lives. And so I think that can help a lot to have someone, even just in a really practical way to read our work, to interact with it, to speak honesty to us. Um, we've all been, at, I'm guessing, in writers groups where everything everyone shares is like fabulous and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think that's like a good and necessary step in sure. the life of a writer. But you have to move past that with even just one trusted companion who will be your writing friend, who will help you take that step of bravery. And so I think that's a, that's a big part of it. I think a lot about writing, especially this kind of personal writing, is pushing through the fear and, you know, trusting the process and doing the work and, you know, doing all those things we've learned to do in our writing craft, which is like, you know, first draft, coming back, mm -hmm. leaving it alone, coming back again, sharing, editing, rewriting, all keep trusting that process and just keep pushing through and have a good writing friend. Yeah. I call those kind of people in my life truth speakers. Like because that. they say the hard things, but they say it out of out of love and out of care for me and out of wanting me to be my best. Erin is a truth speaker in my life. And she's God has used her a number of times, not just in the work that we're doing, but in my personal life to speak truth at times when when I really needed to hear it. And because I know where it comes from, I can hear it. I may get a little ticked and I may have to work <laughs> through it a little bit, but but I always come back to the fact that, you know, you're right. What you said was right, and I need to change that. And without those kinds of people keeping us, keeping our feet to the fire and keeping us on track, um, there's no such thing as vulnerability and honesty in what we're writing. It's all just playing a part. And yeah, I agree. For me, too, like when I wrote um, Surviving Henry, that, mm -hmm. I mean, I had to write things where I looked dumb, you know. It was yeah. funny, it was humorous, but I did not look good. I did not look very bright, you know. And for me, I had to get over some of that pride. I had to be willing to say, you know, yeah, when nobody's looking, I do dumb things <laughs> or I do dumb things when people are looking too. So th I think that was a little bit of an issue for me is just getting past what will people think? What will yeah. what will someone will they think less of me? It's so interesting how it's always opposite. How when we're vulnerable, it always comes across opposite. Somebody will respect that struggle, you know, and they'll they'll relate to it. Yeah. I, I like something that you wrote us, Karen, when we were talking about you being on the podcast and you said our true stories help connect us with each other. Yeah. And I think that's so true, no matter what we're writing. And even um, I'm part of an online writing group and they were talking about sharing 
God's truth with people. And what do we do when you come to speak to someone who doesn't believe the Bible is real, doesn't believe that it's the Word of God? And and Christians are so focused on using Scripture to portray God and His love. How do we do that if this person is looking at us like, yes, so you might as well just quote Hemingway to me because it has about the same import. And, And one of the things that I've always believed is that we tell our stories. We tell our stories about our relationship in faith and our relationship with God and with each other. And we listen to their stories because people are desperate to be heard. And when we do that, just like you said, our true stories help connect us. And it's the same thing with on the page. Oh, man, you are preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love everything you just said. And I, I have a really great story, speaking about stories, that speaks to that point exactly that I'd love to share with you. When I did the bulk of the writing for my book, The Minister's Wife, it was within the structure of a Master of Fine Art and Creative Nonfiction that I was doing in a secular university. There was nothing mm. you know, Christian about the program I did, and that was a little frightening for me at first. And I had to talk to the director of the program a couple times. I was like, I am a spiritual writer, and I, mm. I know that whatever I do, and I didn't know what it was going to be that then it's going to be you know quote-unquote religious and is there a place for me and they really encouraged me to come and it worked out you know beautifully and their input helped shape my writing and it was invaluable but as part of the MFA you have to do a public reading with mm. to your classmates and it takes place in a loud drunken pub night basically. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like talking on a on a microphone trying to be heard over the rising din as the evening progresses so anyway i chose a passage of my book to read where i talk about visiting with a 100 year old minister's wife named millicent my dog and i were a therapy dog team and we would go into the senior's home and i discovered that one of the ladies was a minister's wife uh, a beautiful widow who lived there and so the passage I read out loud that night in the pub included um, basically a, an exchange with myself and Millicent where I tell her, Millicent, I'm moving and I'm not going to be back to see you, but you know, I love you and thank you, basically. And she blessed me. She raised her hand up in the air from the corner where she sat and she blessed me. You know, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. So I read this out loud in this loud party pub that night. And as I left, immediately after my reading, a friend of mine from the class who I don't think probably has ever been to church, like we talked about all these things very openly, faith was a a mystery to her. Mm -hmm. As I walked by her, she grabbed hold of me and she hugged me and she pulled me in and she, in my ear, she whispered, bless me, bless me like she blessed you. Wow. And I did. I blessed her right there, you know, in the middle of this pub. And it was such a beautiful moment for me. And I I realized, like, my story, my little story with Millicent has enabled me, given me this privilege to bless you, my friend. Like, it was just... I don't know. I just learned so much from that moment of, yeah, stories matter. And yes, people want to be heard as well. Like to your other point, my big lesson in the church in my years of being a minister's wife has 
one of the biggies has been that people want to be heard. They want someone to listen to them because that does not happen as a matter of course in our daily lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, one other thing I wanted to ask you about um, when we're talking about this book that you wrote, um, I'm looking at the subtitle. The title is The Minister's Wife, A Memoir of Faith, Doubt, Friendship, Loneliness, Forgiveness, and More. And we'll have a link, guys, in the show notes for that. But you were writing about doubt. What gave you the courage to write about doubt? I mean, that's great. Instead of being like, oh, I can't say that I doubt because then non-Christians will, you know, not believe in God, you know. So what gave you the courage yeah. to write about doubt? That uh, Thank you for that question. I had no problem writing about doubt. And I probably found my courage partly because I was with my classmates and so on as I wrote a lot of this book who were, you know, I remember one professor said to me, explain to me, explain to me how you can believe this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was a fairly like clear <laughs> request. <laughs> And so doubt, I know that doubt is part of everyone's faith journey. And I have found in, again, in my life as a minister's wife, if I can share openly and honestly about my own doubts and my own questions, it actually opens up the room for people. And I don't want that power, actually. <laughs> but because sometimes people have the wrong idea about clergy and their families, thinking that they do have it all together that when I say, actually, I struggle with this, or that passage is really difficult for me, or I don't get that, or yeah, I'm having doubts, because they have this idea we have it all together, that sort of surprises them, <laughs> and they they feel relieved. They're like, oh, thank you. I can then share my questions, and I can share my doubts, and then we're journeying together, and then we're yes. finding our answers together. Yeah. So I... Yeah, I, I think it's so important. It's so powerful just to be honest like that. And, and often it draws us closer to faith and it draws us closer to God together. So, yeah, I, I believe in that a lot. Well, this has been a marvelous conversation. I have so enjoyed having you here and and hearing the things that you're doing. And I look forward to reading your book as a PK and preacher's <laughs> kid and preacher's grandkid. I look forward to reading your book. But I want to thank you so much for coming and talking to us about these things because it's so important for us to remember we're not supposed to play a part. We're supposed to be who we are. God yeah. uses us as broken and as fallible as we are. And if we wear a mask or try to portray who we are as believers, as writers, as any of that, if we try to pretend, God cannot use that. Mm. And the only reason that we're doing any of this is that God can come and show himself to the world through us. And it's hard for him to do that if we get in the way because of what yeah. we think we are. So thank you so much for what has been affirmation and exhortation. And uh, we really appreciate that you've taken the time to come and spend with us. Well, thank you, Karen and Aaron. I really appreciate it. I, I love your podcast. I've listened to it for a long time. So it's, oh, thank you. it's wonderful for me to speak with both of you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Hey guys, thanks for joining us today. We hope you found it helpful. And if you know someone else who needs this podcast, please share it. You can find backlist episodes and lots more resources at our website, rightfromthedeep.com. Yep, we'd love to connect with you guys there. 
So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Amen. Amen.